You're listening to Richard Ellis Talks. Whether you find yourself in a good place, maybe a difficult place, or perhaps even in a very lonely place, you've come to the right place. Pastor Richard will challenge and encourage you today with a Christmas season message of God's greatest gift, Emmanuel, the hope of the world, as we share the 25 Talks of Christmas all this month on Richard Ellis Talks. Now, a reminder that you can always listen to, download, and even share this or any talk with a friend right from the Advent calendar on the website, richardellistalks.com. So let's jump right in with today's talk. Here's Richard Ellis. Today's message is EPT. Does anybody know what EPT stands for? If I'm not mistaken, EPT stands for Early Pregnancy Test. Now, it took me a while to figure out on these pregnancy tests that I thought if it was pink, it was a girl. If it was blue, it was a boy. So it took a while to get me through that. Early pregnancy test. Now, I know some of you are thinking, this is my first time back in church in a long time. The title is EPT. What have I got? You know, where am I? If that isn't bizarre enough, the one that really kills me is driving down the freeway and there's this billboard, and I won't even tell you what's on the background of the billboard at this setting, but there's a big question on the billboard, and what does it say? Who's the father? And it's a DNA test where you go in, the father or the, you know, the gene, the DNA is tested, and they send it off, and they can identify now who the father is. Let me tell you something. If you're trying to prove who the father of your kid is, you're in trouble. Something's wrong. It is awesome to me when I read the scriptures, and we're going to go back. It's Christmas time, but I'm going to take you back about, oh, eight months when something absolutely amazing happened in the scriptures. If you take the timeline of December 25th as Christmas and go back to about March prior to that. And I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 1. And I'm going to read you a couple of passages, one out of Matthew 1, one out of Luke 1. And I'm trying to be very careful because a lot of times we assume that everybody who goes to church knows the Christmas story. They know what went down. They know all the facts, all the details. And in reality, some people don't know anything about any of it except that some kid named Jesus was born. And some people say he was God and God's son. And, you know, maybe, maybe not. And that's it. But you've got people around you, whether you know all the facts or not, you are surrounded by people who do not know the basic things and what a difference these truths make. Was Mary a virgin or not? Does that matter? What is immaculate conception? Is that truth? I call it immaculate misconception. Immaculate conception operates under this premise, that Mary, God made her perfect without sin, and that she without sin conceived God's son, and so the conception was in a young woman, a teenage girl, Mary, who herself was without sin. Now, let me tell you something, guys. It's not in here. Now, that sounds like a great thing. She was a virgin, but she was a young girl like any other young girl that happened to be a virgin, that happened to get picked by God, but there's nowhere in the Scripture that says that Mary was perfect. Because for Mary to be perfect, she would have had to have been born of a virgin, but for that to happen, her mom would have had to have been born of a virgin, and then her mom would have had to have been born of a virgin. There's no end to it. This is not a sinless little girl. It is a virgin girl. That was the criteria. And you can't make this into more than it is. The only person who has ever born or lived who was sinless is Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Okay? And we don't have to make anybody else perfect or anybody else anything more than they are. Mary's a virgin, and we'll address that. But look at Matthew chapter 1. Let's start in verse 18. And it just spells it out. It says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. 
after his mother Mary was betrothed or engaged to Joseph, before they came together, in other words, there was no sexual contact whatsoever, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Now in this, in Matthew 1, the way this is telling it, and I'll go to Luke 1 in a second and give it a different perspective, but in this deal, in verse 18, she is pregnant. It's happened, she's pregnant. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. He finds out she's pregnant and he is about to send her off or put her away, do the right thing to protect her, not make an example of her publicly, not embarrass her in any way. I mean, if you're a newlywed and you don't have any kids and you haven't been together and your wife's pregnant, it's somebody else's fault. I mean, this is pretty obvious, I think. He knows something's gone wrong. He thought he knew her better, I guess. You think, well, these things happen, but he loved her enough to do the right thing, so he's going to put her away secretly. Verse 20, But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. This isn't some other man's baby. This is the God of the universe, child. And guys, I'm going to tell you something. There's a lot of faith. And as I read through this account, you're going to see a tremendous amount of faith. Number one, an angel shows up in a dream. That would freak me completely out. And this angel says, okay, you know, you're engaged to this woman. She's your wife. You know, she's pregnant. Don't put her away because this is God's child. This is a real God child. And she's pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Well, how does that happen? I mean, what's up with that? I mean, how does the Holy Spirit get anybody pregnant? And I don't want to get too technical here. But guys, literally, if you take it, you've got an egg, you've got a sperm. Usually the sperm comes from a man. In this case, in a virgin womb, the God of the universe materializes in the egg of this virgin's womb as a sperm. Just like that. There's no chance to it. It is literally, boom, just conceived, and God appears out of nowhere, out of nothing. And I've been thinking about this a lot and praying through this. It is amazing to me. you got angels showing up, appearing, disappearing. God went to the trouble to literally become microscopic and go through the entire process. He could have shown up as a baby, just boom, created as a baby. He could have shown up as a 12-year-old kid. He could have shown up at 30 and did what he did. But he went through the whole thing. He humbled himself and took on the form of a man, the scripture says, and started literally where everybody starts, except that it was God's seed in a virgin womb, and that's why it's such a huge thing. This cannot just be any old chick. This has got to be a virgin girl who no one's been with, that God comes and puts this seed in, and this child is born. I'm sorry if I offend anybody with the word chick. All right. That's not in the scriptures anywhere either. So he says again in verse 20, don't be afraid, take to your wife Mary, that which is conceived of hers of the Holy Spirit, verse 21, and she will bring forth a son. I mean, a pregnancy test tells you if it's, you're pregnant. This angel's saying, okay, you're going to have a boy, and I've already named the boy, and I'm going to tell you what, one of the biggest problems, no matter what you guys are naming these kids, I mean, coming up with names is a nightmare, but we got good names, I know you're in here. All right. <laughs> and she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. And there are songs about this, guys. This stuff gets all over me. You got this man who's about to marry this woman, and his wife is pregnant. Mary's pregnant. And this angel saying it to the Holy Spirit. And then the angel says, this Jesus, this son that you're going to raise, that's going to be born in your wife in Mary's womb, from her womb, is going to save people from their sins. You know who that includes? Joseph and Mary. 
He is going to be the stepfather to the God of the universe. The responsibility for raising a young man and to teach him. You think you've got a responsibility raising kids. Imagine this. you got Jesus watching you. I mean, that's tough stuff. <laughs> Behold, and he quotes the Old Testament here. Verse 22, So all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. And if you want the reference on that, Isaiah 7, 14, it says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. The angel quotes scripture to Joseph and says, this is all going to happen to fulfill scripture. Now, I don't know. I think Joseph had studied like any Jewish boy. Mary had been through some studies. They had to know this kid was coming. Someone had to have made reference through their lifetime about Isaiah 7, 14, the Messiah coming but you're sitting there realizing I'm going to be the stepfather to this kid that's been prophesied about, and my wife Mary is bearing this child. Verse 24, Then Joseph, being aroused from his sleep, he wakes up, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and took to him his wife. And he did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. All right, I want you to look also at verse 24. Look back up there. Joseph did as the angel of the Lord commanded. I don't know if you've ever had a dream. I talked to people that had dreams. Let me tell you something. I don't have to have a dream. I got enough right here to keep me busy. When you wake up and you open the Bible and you spend some time with God and the scripture says something, what you're supposed to do is not just find out what it says. You got to do what it says or your life won't change. And if Joseph had heard from this angel and said, well, I don't know. I'm not up for this. You can have her, you know, get some other guy to raise this kid. I'm out of here. The angel spoke to Joseph, and he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he takes Mary as his wife. In verse 25, I mentioned this before, but I think it's an amazing thing to state about in a world today where nobody can wait. You know, it sucks everything, and you can't wait, and, you know, everybody's pushing. This guy realizes what's happened, and it says a simple phrase, he did not know her till she brought forth her firstborn son. She's just pregnant at this point. That means for nine months, he's married to this woman, has all the rights of a husband, but he waits. You say, well, I don't want to wait. I got needs and desires. Let me tell you something, guys. They're just sometimes you wait. And I appreciate this about Joseph, that he is a man of character, that he's patient, that he knew what was going on and did the right thing. All right, flip over to Luke chapter 1. Matthew, Mark, Luke, just two books over. And we're going to start in verse 5. There were in the days of Herod, king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah. His wife was the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And I'm going to paraphrase and go down through this. Elizabeth is barren. They don't have any children. So Zacharias is in the temple. He works in the temple. It's his turn to go serve in the temple. He's in there, and this angel appears to him and tells him that he's going to have a son, that he's supposed to name this son John, that this kid John is going to prepare a way for the Lord. And so he leaves the temple, comes out of the temple. Well, let's go back up to verse 18. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is well advanced in years. Now look at this. This stuff's just amazing to me. Verse 19. And the angel answered and said to him. He's got an angel. He's in the temple. This angel's telling him all this stuff. He's standing there talking to an angel. And he says, Well, how am I going to know this is really happening? And this angel, verse 19, says, I am Gabriel. And then look at the next phrase. He says, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God. Now this isn't Mary. This isn't Joseph. This is some guy who's going to be the father of John the Baptist. And this is no you know, virgin birth thing here. It's going to be Zacharias and Elizabeth have this kid John. 
But this guy is asking questions. Well, how am I going to know if this is a real deal? And the angel says, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. He's got the angel, the main angel. I mean, this is big time. You got only a few angels who stand in the presence of God. And God says, Gabriel, it's time. And Gabriel does a lot of important things in scripture. But God says, Gabriel, now. I want you to go down to the temple. Zacharias is working in the temple, and I want you to go down there and tell him what's about to happen, and to go home and to be with his wife, and John's going to be conceived. And I think after that, he pretty much didn't ask any more questions. I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God, who was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. But behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time. In other words, well, you didn't believe me, watch this. Now you can't speak till this baby's born. So this guy, he should have just said, fine, it's an angel, I don't have to ask who, I don't need credentials, I'll do whatever you say. You got to question me, now you're going to be mute. So he comes out of the temple, he can't speak. And this goes on for nine months. Until if you read the account, John is born, and the second he's born, and they take him to the temple, and they're going to name him. They say, what's his name going to be? He writes down John, and boom, his mouth's open, and he can speak. All right, so Gabriel goes there. Keep going down to verse 24. Now, after those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and she hid herself five months, saying, Thus the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked upon me to take away my reproach among people. Verse 26. Now, in the sixth month, okay, sixth month meaning the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. In the six months, the angel Gabriel was sent to God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. So Gabriel goes back to heaven, standing by God, doing his thing. And God goes, okay, six months. Now here's the next place I want you to go. And he sent him to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. When all these things are vital, the virgin's name was Mary. And having come in... Now imagine this. Now guys, I don't know anything about all this because I'm not up there. But I'm going to tell you what. There are certain things that rock heaven. And I'm telling you, God has been waiting before the foundation of the world for the day that he would send the angel Gabriel to a virgin named Mary. He had planned this out, every detail. And the fact that she remained a virgin made her the prospect. And I know people say, yeah, well, you're going to come down on people who aren't virgins anymore. Let me tell you something. It's serious because she would not have been the mother of God, carried this child if she had not done the right thing in this category. So don't back off and say, well, the whole world's doing it and everybody, you know, who cares? You can't expect your kids not to be this anymore. Encourage them and show them that God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. And in this case, she was picked for this specific reason. So this angel is sent to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, the house of David, the virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, you know, I don't know how he said this. Here are the words. Man, rejoice. You have no idea what's about to happen to you. Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. I mean, what a privilege. What an honor. And here's some probably teenage girl, you know, Hadn't learned how to ride a bike, didn't know they existed then. But verse 29, but when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. I mean, it's not every day an angel, much less Gabriel, shows up at your house and says something like, rejoice, highly favored, the Lord is with you. You're blessed among women. I mean, that's a pretty powerful statement. So she's troubled considering what greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. Now, I don't know the timeline on this thing, but it seems to me that this angel gets to Mary. Okay, Gabriel speaks to Mary. 
Somewhere Gabriel speaks to Joseph. He has to speak to Mary first. So Mary is a virgin. Now she's told she's going to have this son, so she knows she's pregnant. Joseph finds out she's pregnant. Now what is Mary? And I, obviously Mary has not tried to explain to Joseph what's really happened here. Y'all see this? Because Joseph doesn't know. If Mary had sat down and said, Joseph, I know we're engaged and everything. I'm about to be your wife, but i got to tell you I'm pregnant. And now here's what happened. It's God's child. I'm pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Now, how many guys on the planet are going to believe that? <laughs> so she's got a problem. And obviously, she carries all this stuff around in her heart. She hadn't told anybody. So the angel has to tell Joseph. You see this? The angel tells them both the same thing. They've both been given the same name to call this child. You'll conceive in your womb, bring forth a son, you shall call his name Jesus. Verse 32, he will be great and will be called the son of the highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Verse 34, then Mary said to the angel, a very logical question, how can this be since I do not know a man? I mean, if anybody knows, God knows, I've never been with a man, so how can this thing happen if I've never been with a man? And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Somehow, this child was conceived of the Holy Spirit, and she becomes pregnant. Therefore, also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Verse 36, now he gives her a frame of reference, some kind of encouragement here to how this thing could even happen. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And I think that Mary is old enough to understand how old Elizabeth is and that Elizabeth didn't have any more babies for obvious reasons. She's barren, it hadn't happened, and she's beyond childbearing years. But now this angel says, you got a cousin, Elizabeth, who's too old to have kids, she's pregnant. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. Verse 37, and this, don't forget verse 37. And if you feel comfortable underlining these things in your Bible, underline this. For with God, nothing will be impossible. And that's precisely what she was thinking. Mary's thinking, this can't happen. Let me tell you something. You stop and think about the wild stuff that happened in this book. It's impossible unless God does it. And the angel said precisely that. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, and this is awesome stuff in the scriptures. Verse 38, then Mary said, behold, the maid servant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. See, everything people say, well, and I had this conversation with somebody, you know, mentioned this, said, well, she didn't have a choice. Let me tell you something. There is a lot riding at this moment. She's a virgin. It's Mary. She's been picked. You're highly favored of God. But she could have said, I can't do this and walked away. Now, listen to this and think through this with me. What is it that God has come to you and said, look, I'm asking you to do something. And it seems impossible to you to do this, but I'm asking you to obey me and do something. And you know it's God speaking to you. It's coming right out of the book, maybe, or in your heart. You've heard it for years. Are you willing to just say, God, whatever you got for me, I'll do it. Wherever he leads, I'll go. Whatever he says, I'll do. I can tell you from personal experience and a number of people I talk to that there is no better way to live than being exactly. You'll never be home until you're where God calls home. And I am challenging you and encouraging you. Say, well, how could God use me? And this thing is impossible. He's asking me to do it. And I can't forget all that. Just say, God, you know what? I don't get it. I don't understand it. But I know you're talking to me about this specific area in my life. 
an area of ministry, an area of money, whatever it is he's dealing with you with. And you say, God, I think it's impossible. With you, nothing's impossible. So I'm just telling you, I'm available, I'm willing, I'm yours. I'll do whatever you tell me to do. That's a step of faith, not just blind faith. It's stepping into his arms, into his hands, and doing the right thing. And Mary says here, Behold the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste to a city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. Now I titled this EPT, Early Pregnancy Test. She found out early that she was pregnant and the whole deal was a test. And part of the confirmation that she was pregnant and that the baby within her was who God said it would be is in verse 41 and following. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary. Mary goes to Elizabeth's house, another town, walks coming in the house and speaks some words, greeting Elizabeth. And Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the baby leaped in her womb. John the Baptist in Elizabeth's womb leapt, the Bible says, in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because Mary walked in the room? No. Because Mary walked in the room with the God of the universe in her womb. This woman walks in a house and the baby leaps in Elizabeth's womb. Then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, exactly what Gabriel had said to her. Blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? What have I done to deserve you to come here carrying this child? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed. Now guys, there's a huge statement right there. There's a whole message in that phrase. Blessed is she who believed. It's not enough to just believe it in your head. You've got to believe it in your heart and act on it. Blessed is she who believed. In other words, the angel spoke it. God said, this is what's going to happen. And she didn't just say, well, that's interesting. She said, okay, I believe. I'll let it be done to me. I agree. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. Blessed is she who believed, is what Elizabeth told Mary. And I'm telling you the same thing today. God comes and says, look, you don't deserve heaven. You don't deserve me. But before you were ever born, I made a decision to love you, to come after you, that Jesus would be slain before the foundation of the world. He'd come to save people from their sins. I've done everything. Jesus died. It's a gift. It's like Christmas. You don't hand out gifts and at the end of the night, you know, pass around receipts and get reimbursed. You can't pay for a gift. That's what makes it a gift. So God says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So you say, God, I don't deserve this. He says, precisely. I can't pay for it. I know. It's a gift. So you say, God, I take it. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for me, was buried and raised from the dead to give me eternal life with you, Father, and abundant life between here and heaven. And I'm taking this gift, and all I can say is thank you and give you back my life in return. And I ask you to use me. And I'll go anywhere. I'll do anything. If you have that kind of attitude and you give him your life and let him give you his life, your life will never be the same. This woman's life was never the same. And she had the privilege of not just carrying this child, but she also had the challenge. She had a life to live her own. She raised this little baby. And then she saw that she stood as they crucified this baby. And she saw him die. And she saw him buried, but she saw him raised from the dead. She's a blessed woman. And we are blessed people to even have this information and to have the opportunity to hear the truth and believe it. You say, well, I don't believe all this. Precisely. That's your problem. 
I can't make you believe it, though, because the Bible says the preaching of the gospel is foolish to those who are perishing, but to those who believe, it's the power of God and salvation. And if it isn't this, then you show me something better. I'd love to see something better because nobody ever loved me like Jesus did. Nobody ever died for me where it made a difference. Somebody could die for you, but he better be pure and holy like this one or it won't make any difference. Somebody who could die for me and pay my way did, and my life has never been the same. Thank you for listening to Richard Ellis Talks. We hope you're encouraged by Pastor Richard's unique way of challenging us to become more like Jesus, especially during this holiday season. You know, that's the goal of this program and the goal of Richard himself, to be God's hands, feet, and voice, to help us grow in our faith journey and to become a reflection of Jesus to our neighbors, our community, and the world. You know, when you open your heart and life to the saving grace of Jesus Christ, that's the beginning point of the most amazing journey you'll ever experience. But it's also a journey that we want to join with you. So we'd love to hear from you, whether you've been on this faith road for a while or just getting started. The website is richardellistalks.com. There's a prayer wall to click on so you can share how we can come alongside you this holiday season. Also, during the 25 Talks of Christmas this month, it's a different holiday-themed program each and every day. So if you miss any previous Christmas talk, just click on the Daily Talks Advent Calendar to listen to, download, or share any of these Christmas talks. It's right there at richardellistalks.com. And finally, a quick reminder that you can automatically receive a direct text on your phone each and every morning that will link you to the most recent Christmas talk on the website. Simply text the word Richard to 855-6-RICHARD. That's the word Richard to our toll-free number 855-6-RICHARD. So, until the next of our 25 talks of Christmas, we love you, We're praying for you, and we thank you for listening to Richard Ellis Talks.